Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, uh, if you've been, been here on the last two Sunday evenings, we've been talking about the call to discipleship. The first one, we dealt with this question that I think is such a relevant question. What is the difference between a disciple and a Christian? If you didn't hear that, you ought to listen to it online. And the fact that we've been called to discipleship. And just, just to remind you, um, this is such a common, a common thought today, but it is so contrary to Scripture. And that is that it's acceptable for a person just to say, well, I'm a Christian, and never really consider the call to discipleship. That, that, that logic is not in the Bible. And, and by the way, this is, a part of, this is a part of growing in Christ is you learn to take ideas that we have that may, may re, be reasonable, but they're not biblical and get them out of our head and replace them with truth. And the, the text we began with that night was uh, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. They were disciples before they were called Christians. And so I promise you there are a lot of people maybe even here tonight some, who say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm just not interested in being a disciple. And I would say, according to what the Greek language says, hogwash. <laughs> that is a false imagination. That is a reasoning, a false reasoning. And God, God calls all of us to discipleship. And uh, so last, and then last week we talked about the disciples' call to learn and grow. That's what a disciple is, a learner. That's why we're here tonight. We want to learn. We're not just here to, you know, take up space. We want to learn. We want to grow. And so tonight I'm going to take another step. And I, I really feel like, uh, again, people like to, we use the word Christian all the time. And it can really be misunderstood, honestly, especially if you look at what is called Christian in many other cultures. And even in this culture, lots of people call themselves Christian that have no concept of what it means to be born again. Um, but a more biblical term is discipleship. And the Bible gives a lot of information about what a disciple is. We're going to take up one of those subjects tonight. Father, thank you tonight for your word. And please help us now to get focused on this passage of scripture and on your word tonight and on the subject before us. We've enjoyed the singing and the fellowship and greeting each other and talked about a lot of things on our schedule and important events and missions work and all these things, and it all matters. But help us now, Lord, I pray, uh, to be open-hearted and open-minded to the truth and with, with eagerness receive your word and what you have to say to us tonight from the Scripture. In Jesus' name, and we thank you for it. Amen. You may be seated. Now look at the passage, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. And in that one verse, I just want to really focus on a couple of things that sort of 
pertain to our main subject tonight. Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples. That's the first thing I wanna just emphasize. Who was Jesus speaking to? His disciples. Those were people who were engaged in hearing and learning. He said this to his disciples. And if you go through the gospel, sometimes he addressed just the apostles. Sometimes he addressed the multitudes. Sometimes he addressed those who were disciples or learners. So he's speaking to disciples. And here's the part that I want to emphasize tonight, verse 24. He said to them in verse 24, if any man will come after me. I want you to think about that phrase. Come after me. Now that's, that's not a passive phrase. That's an action phrase. You cannot sit in one place and come after somebody, right? If anybody will come after me, he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And here's the other phrase, follow me. Follow me. And I want to speak on this tonight. The disciples call to follow. The disciples call to follow. And I think it's, I think tonight we just want to look very practically at what that might mean in our lives. Now, in the days of Jesus, they, they physically followed him, right? I mean, it's, that's a concept that's easy to understand. They actually moved physically from where they were and followed him where he was going. And we see this played out numerous times in the Bible. Let's look at a couple of examples. We're in Matthew's gospel. Go to Matthew chapter four. In Matthew chapter four, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, Jesus is walking along by the Sea of Galilee in Matthew chapter four and verse 18. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, two brothers, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. So following him for them, you could see them follow him. Now you could, following wasn't just physical, it was also spiritual and emotional, but they were actually pursuing after him. They, they left their nets to follow him. Look in verse 21, the next verse, and going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So here again, you see them following. Wherever he went, they went. And by the way, for the, for the next three years or so, they did that. They, they were with him almost all the time. Not all the time, not exclusively, but most of the time. They would, they would camp out, they would sleep, they would eat together, they would go on missionary evangelistic journeys together. They were, they were followers of Jesus. A disciple is expected to follow Jesus. 
A disciple is expected and called to follow Jesus. Now, we don't physically follow him, but we do follow him. And we want to expand upon that a little bit tonight, what that means. That's really going to be the main focus of our message this evening. A disciple is called to follow <coughs> Jesus Christ. So there's no, you, don't, you, could, you could read this Bible, you read your Bible many times and you're going to find a couple of examples in the New Testament, just a couple, a few, of people who were at one time professing Christ or confessing Christ and they quit following him and whenever it talks about him, it's not in a positive sense. But the people who were disciples were followers of Jesus. Now, by contrast, if you were to interview, I think if we could interview, you know, a thousand people who are sitting in church this Sunday morning or Sunday night and ask them if you're a Christian, the vast majority would say yes. But if you ask them, are you a follower of Jesus Christ in the true sense of the word, Probably many of them say, well, I don't know if I'm, I am or not. A disciple is called to follow Jesus. We're called to follow him. You're in Matthew, and uh, we're gonna uh, turn in a moment to the, let's just go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Mark. Go to the right a little bit. The Gospel of Mark and chapter 10. Verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. This, this person comes running and gets on his knees before him, kneeled to him, bowed before him, and asked him. This is a person talking to Jesus. Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, just, the, just that sentence, that question, tells us several things about this person. I mean, he is inquisitive. He's, um, he's, not only, he's enthusiastic about it. He didn't just kind of meander up there. He's running, right, running to him. He respects Jesus. He calls him good master. Master means like a boss, a ruler. Good master. He kneels down before him. He shows reverence for him. All these things are found in that that little question, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? But there's another thing in there, and that is this. The guy's not saved, right? I mean, he, he's asking about how, how, can I get, how can I go to heaven? How can I inherit eternal life? By the way, that's a good question to ask, isn't it? All of us ought to be asking that question. And Jesus said to him in verse 18, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. And... Verse 19, and then he begins, Jesus begins as he did in various ways in different places, different situations. He begins to mention some of the Ten Commandments. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness, which is another way of saying lying. Do not lie. Defraud not, honor thy father and mother. Now these are not suggestions. These are commandments. Don't ever say anything that's not true. Don't ever take anything that doesn't belong to you. 
Do, do never disrespect your parents, right? These are, these are not suggestions. These are commandments, right? And I'm of the persuasion that there's not a person that is, is old enough to understand spiritual things that can say, I've, done, I've never broken any of those commandments. I mean, I don't, you know, you're not, you must be talking about somebody else. You're not talking about me. And I'd say, uh, you just, this one right here, do not bear false witness, you know. Liar, liar, pants on fire, right? Because we're all guilty. Verse 20, and he answered and said unto Jesus, unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Well, he, first of all, I don't think he was being honest, but in either case, Jesus knew it wasn't true. This is what Jesus does, young person. If we'll let him, he keeps probing deeper because he wants us to be honest. So then Jesus, beholding him, look in verse 21, loved him. Jesus loves us too much to let us go on in our deceit and our wrong thinking. He loved him and said unto him in verse 21, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross, and follow me. So Jesus, Jesus is helping him see the corruption in his own heart. And, when, and, and you know what, Jesus has a way of really getting to the root of the problem, if we'll just let him. People sit in church and just sort of, gla- things, they kind of get glazed over and they don't even take, really truthfully receive these things. But Jesus is trying to help this man see his sin. And he does the same for us. You know why? Because it's good for us. He loves us. He wants us to see how much we need to be saved. And if I look at those commandments, and I know I'm more evil than all the rest of you put together, but I've broken all those laws. I'm not happy about it, but I've disrespected my parents, and I've said many things that were not true, and I've taken many things that did not belong to me. And we've all, if we'd be honest, broken the the commandment of Jesus' commandment. If you look on a person with lust, you've already committed adultery in your own heart. I mean, all of us, all of us are guilty before God as sinners. People don't want to admit that. They want to think, I don't need this. I'm good enough. And I'm telling you, and God loves us enough that he wants us to know the truth about ourselves. So he says to him, this is what I want you to do. Take what you have and sell it and give it away and come take up the cross. But notice that when he said this, these other two words, follow me. Follow me. Now, what did, Jesus, what did this man do? Look what it says in verse 22. And he was sad at that saying. That man was sad. He wasn't sad because he was a sinner. He was, a sad, he was sad because he, 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 his sin had been exposed. I believe he was sad because Jesus said, if you're not willing to deal with your sin, you cannot go to heaven. He was a sad man. He was He was sad at that saying. And notice what it says. He went away grieved 
for he had great possessions. Now here was a man who would not be honest, but this man was not willing to follow Jesus. Now in that commandment, in this lesson, young person, you never find what some people would want you to think, and that is, you don't, have, you don't have to follow Jesus. You just pray this prayer and you know you're gonna to go to heaven and, that, and, and you're gonna be okay. That's not in there. That was not Jesus' presentation. He said, I want you to acknowledge your sin and I want you to come with me and I want you to follow me. Listen, every person who is born again is called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't, I'm saved and he hadn't called me. You're mistaken. Either you're mistaken in the fact that you're not saved or you're saved when you're not or you're mistaken about the fact he hadn't called you because it's right there. He calls us to follow. We're called to follow Jesus. I ask you the question tonight. Answer it in your own mind. Are you a follower of Jesus? And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't even know what that means. Well, we're gonna talk about that a little more, but... Think about that. Am I a follower of Jesus? Now, in Mark chapter 10, we have this, this record of Jesus dealing with this person who was eager to know how to be saved. And, and there was a lengthy conversation after that. And we're not going to get into that, but though it's rich and so important. Um, he talked to the disciples because they wondered, well, how, who can be saved then? If this man can't be saved, who can be saved? And... Jesus said in verse 27, with men it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And then verse 28, Peter, then, Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. So Peter understood what it meant to follow Jesus, right? He understood what it meant to follow Jesus. And Jesus goes on and tells him in verse 29 and 30, that nobody ever followed him that were, what would not be rewarded both in this life and in the life to come. The whole point I'm trying to make tonight is this. According to the Bible, all of us have been called to follow Jesus. Now, we need to work through in our minds exactly what that means, but let's, let's understand this. We have all been called to follow Jesus. Here's a couple of other passages that are not in the Gospels. Go to the right a little bit, if you would, please, from the Gospel of Mark there, and go to the book of Ephesians. And uh, let's just look at something Paul said. I'm just, I just want to point this out. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Paul writing here says, Be therefore followers of God, followers of God. Now, again, we want to talk about what that means. We want to flesh that out and understand what that means in a practical sense. But the point I want to emphasize in the beginning is you, you have been called to be a follower of God. Isn't that a privilege to be called a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a follower of God? Go with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John. In John chapter 10, this is that great chapter when Jesus is talking about him being the door and the good shepherd and, and, um, the, and about his sheep and how his sheep hear his voice. But just one verse in particular, John chapter 10 and verse 27. John chapter 10 and verse 27. 
my sheep hear my voice. He didn't, my sheep, he didn't say my sheep might hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Is that what he said? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So all of us have been called to follow Jesus. So what does it mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? I want to give you several things that I think would answer that question. I don't know, I don't have all the answers, but I have a few things that might help answer that. First of all, I think following Jesus means putting him and his will first. Putting him first. Not second, not third, not last. Putting him first. I mean, one thing we have to think about, it, we, we were, we were th singing about this tonight in the song service about how Jesus is Lord and if I'm going to follow him, I'm going to have to have a proper respect and fear of God. If I'm going to follow him, I'm going to have to have a proper attitude about who God is. I mean, who is Jesus? And the answer is he's Lord, right? Remember Jesus saying to people, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Jesus is Lord. He's, he is our Savior. He is our loving Savior. But he's Lord. He's Master. He commands the winds and the waves, and they obey him. Where, where can we come up with the audacity to think, well, I know God wants me to do it, and I'm not going to do it. The winds and the waves obey him. I think we ought to obey him as well, don't you? He's Lord. And so I think to follow Jesus, first of all, means putting him and his will first. I mean, the people we talked about earlier in the passage, like when uh, Jesus called these people to follow him, the disciples were called to follow him. Matthew chapter 9, it says that, Matthew was sitting at the receipt of custom. That means he was sitting at his job. He was receiving funds. He was a, he was, um, a publican. And when Jesus called these people, when he called Matthew, when he called uh, James and John, when he called Peter and Andrew, when he called them, they got up and followed him. They left a place. They left people. They left things. They left things to follow Jesus. You can't, you can't follow Jesus unless you're willing to leave some stuff. You can't just stay where you want to be and do what you want to do and be a follower of Jesus. So following Jesus means putting him and his will first. Amen? That's what a follower of Jesus does. I was thinking today about the decision my wife and I made to move to St. Clair, Missouri. We came here because we couldn't find any place in the world we'd rather live. Right? <laughs> this was on our bucket list. We've got, we've got to live there. Now, no offense. But we didn't come here because there was anything here that we liked more than what we had there. Now that's been more than 40 years ago. 
But honestly, we, we moved here because we were, it was clear to us that God wanted us here. And if God wants us here, there's no place to be other than where God wants you to be. Following Jesus means putting him and his will first. I was, I was thinking um, today about a message that I preached. And I look back to see when it was. And it was uh, 16 years ago. I preached a message here uh, on the subject of walking with God. And we started off in uh, Genesis where it talks about Adam and Eve and how they walked with God in the cool of the day. They walked with God. And when I was preparing that sermon and preparing to preach that sermon, I looked at some phrases in the Bible that talked about different aspects of walking with God. For instance, for instance, this said about Abraham, he walked before the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Walking before the Lord. It means you realize you're walking in God's presence. Walking before the Lord means God is always looking at you. God is always aware. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good, walking before the Lord. And then walking with God. How can two walk together except they be in agreed? Walking with God. But then there was another part of that message where it says in several times that they walked after the Lord. To me, there's a difference in walking before the Lord and walking after the Lord. Walking before the Lord means that God is, I'm aware that God is around and God is watching and I want to be pleasing to God, a reverence for God. Walking after the Lord means you see where he's going and you follow him. Can you see the difference? Walking with the Lord, walking before the Lord. And there was another point of that message and it's from Galatians, walking in the Lord. That's the, that's the utopia right there, being in Christ, walking in Christ, him living his life through us. But this point stuck out in my mind today as I was thinking about that, and that is this matter of walking after the Lord. Let me give you a verse from the 63rd Psalm. Many years ago, we memorized that Psalm, Psalm 63, but the, one of the verses is this. Think, think about the words of this. My soul followeth hard after thee. The picture there is, is like, a, it's like you're tracking something. You're, you're following after my soul. Listen, young person, this is, we're talking about following the Lord. We've been called to fo be followers of God. My soul followeth hard after thee. That means it's in my heart to want to follow God's leading and what God wants from me. Are you a follower of God? Do you consciously think about the fact that I want to be following the Lord in my life? Now, we should all agree on this, that God is everywhere, right? He's everywhere. You can't go anywhere God's not. I mean, he's in St. Clair. If he can be in St. Clair, he can be anywhere. But while he's in St. Clair, he's also in Union. And he's also in Anaconda. And he may be in Grubville, I'm not sure. God is everywhere at the same time, right? 
But that doesn't mean that God's presence is not especially manifested in the same place everywhere. Case in point, the Old Testament tabernacle. When God said to that, those people, I want you to pick up stakes and move, then His presence, His manifest visible presence could be seen not in an image of God, but in a, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. You know what I'm saying? God was there in a special way. And I believe that following Him means that we want to be right where He wants us to be. So following Jesus means putting Him and His will first. And there's a second thing, though, that I want to mention about following Jesus. Following Jesus, following Jesus means obeying Jesus. It means obeying Him. I said earlier that Psalm, or that uh, Amos, Scripture from Amos, how can two walk together except to be in agreement? Uh, go with me. Are you in, jo in John's gospel for some reason? Yeah, John chapter 10. Go to the left just a little bit from John chapter 10. And look in John chapter 8. The disciple is called to follow. What does it mean to follow? It means put God first and put his will first. Second of all, it means to obey him. John chapter 8 and verse 31. Then said Jesus to those disciples which believed on him. These are those Jews, I'm sorry, that, which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you continue in my word, a disciple is called to obey which... To, to follow, which means to obey, to continue in his word. Let me ask you something tonight. Are you an obedient follower of Jesus? As far as you know, as far as you know, are you obeying everything that God has laid out for you to do? That's, a, that's what following him is like. Following him is about. It's about being obedient to him. You know, I have... There's a lot of things I've found in my life that I never would have ever dreamed many years ago. And here's one of them. I have found myself to be almost completely relying on uh, some navigation system. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, wherever you want to go, you just Google it. Navigate to, you know, whatever. Navigate to Lambert's. It knows how to get there. So... It's real simple. You just, you just say the words and it guides you. But how do you, who guides you to know where Jesus is going or where he wants you to go? And the answer is very simple but very important. And that is, he gives us leadership in his word. Uh, hold your finger right there in John if you would because we'll, we'll be back to the New Testament. Go quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Fourth book of the Old Testament. Fourth book of the Bible. Fifth book, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 13. There's a passage here. I hope I'm at the right place. Yes. Deuteronomy 13 and verse 4. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him 
and keep His commandments and obey His voice and you shall serve Him and cleave unto Him. There's a lot in that verse. Serving Him, cleaving unto Him, staying close to Him, keeping His commandments, fearing Him. The point being, following Jesus means obeying Jesus. Let's, say just, let's just say hypothetically that um, somewhere in your life you did something that was wrong. And, and in doing so, you wronged someone else. And you might say, well, uh, what should I do about that? What does God want me to do about that? And where do we look? We look into the, we pick our phone up and we say, what should I do if I wrong someone and I've never made it right? In that voice, that lady's voice inside your phone that loves to tell people what to do. She'll say, you need to go to them and confess your wrong. Confess your faults one to another. If you've trespassed against, you know what I'm saying? In other words, we can know what to do by just going to the Bible. You can't follow Jesus, young person, if you're not going to be obedient to him. Obeying him is a part of following him. Um, my wife uh, was telling me that she asked one of our grandchildren who's an elementary ch student and when I say things like that they all begin to cringe but she asked them uh, how do you plan on spending your Christmas I mean not your Christmas your birthday money how do you plan on spending your birthday money and it was because she was hoping they were going to buy her something but <laughs> and this is what this elementary child said, well, we have, I have three jars. In the first, and when I get money, in the first jar goes 10% of what came to me. We're talking about birthday money. In the first jar goes 10% of what came to me. In the second jar goes 10% for savings. And in the third jar, I have the money that I'm free to decide what to do with. Now, you, where, do you, where do you come up with a thing like that? It's called the Bible. It's called the Bible. How do we know how, do we know to, how to obey? We've, we've, how, do we, how do we follow Jesus? What does following Jesus mean? It means that he's first in our life, and it means that we want to be obedient to his word. Let me give you a third thing that following Jesus means. And so the first one is, it means putting Jesus in his will first. Second of it means, it means obeying him. Following Jesus thirdly means this. It means imitating him. And I want to I go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is not Jimbalvo. This is a different Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. And look with me if you would please in verse 21. 1 Peter 2, 21. Peter says this, For even hereunto were you called. Called. He's not talking about called in the ministry, called to be a missionary, called to be a pastor. He's talking about the calling upon our lives as Christians, as believers, as disciples. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. 
Now, he's just talked about suffering. He's talking about trials and suffering. And he said, we've been called as disciples to follow his example, to follow his steps. In verse 22, he's talking about him and the way he behaved, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And what are we supposed to do? Following Jesus means we're imitating Jesus. We're following in his steps. We're, we're trying to do what Jesus would want us to do. You know, the, uh, this whole idea of what would Jesus do did not originate with a plastic bracelet. A lot of people have those WWJD, what would Jesus do? But it came from a, really an interesting book written by Charles Sheldon back in the 1800s actually. And many of you have read the book. And the book was called In His Steps. How many of you read that book? A number of you have. 30 million copies have been sold. That's a lot of books, right? Almost as many as Straight Paths. 30 million copies. And his, this was the premise of the book. It, the, the members of a church were challenged with this. Now think seriously about this. The members of the church were challenged for one solid year before you take any action, before you make any decision, you ask this simple question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And in this book, their lives were transformed. The congregation was transformed. The community, the community was transformed by this simple decision. Before you do anything, before you say anything, before you go anywhere, ask this question, what would Jesus do? And you know what? That would really simplify a lot of issues we have in our life. You know what that's called? It's called following Jesus by imitating him, by, by doing what he would do. Young person, would Jesus ever talk back to his mother? I guarantee it wouldn't happen. Would Jesus ever take something and belong to him? Never, ever. Would Jesus ever say something about someone that might be damaging to their testimony? Never would Jesus do that. We're talking about following Jesus. A disciple is called to follow Jesus. Now we can't follow him along the shores of Galilee, but we follow him in the word of God. Following Jesus means putting him first. Following Jesus means obeying him. Following Jesus means imitating him. Doing what we think he would do. Walking in his steps. And I want to tell you, I said that that book, and if you read the book, you know it's true. It transformed their community and transformed their church. But for a lot of people, it transformed their life just to start living that way. What would Jesus do? But let me give you the last thing. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Fourthly, following Jesus means conforming to the likeness of Jesus. Not just imitating him. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Not just imitating him, but becoming more and more like him. 
Matthew chapter 10 and verse 24. Another passage dealing specifically with the subject of being a disciple. Matthew 10, 24 says, The disciple is not above his master. Now, who is the disciple? The disciple is a learner. There are people in this room who have responsibilities where you work, and maybe you are a supervisor, maybe you are a manager. I, I know numbers of you have people who are working under you, and so, so imagine this. So you have the, you're not the master, but you're the, you're the leader. And for the sake of illustration, verse 24, the disciple is not above his master. Those who are, should be serving you or obeying you or learning from you are not above you. You might have to remind them of that every once in a while. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant, verse 24, above his Lord. But look in verse 25. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. So the disciple of Jesus, the follower of Jesus, is not above his master. But it is enough that he be as his master. You know what God's goal for us is, young person? Is to be more and more like Jesus Christ. It's not to be better than another person or are not as bad as that person. That's not the goal. The goal is to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And by the way, we started off this study a couple of weeks ago in the book of Acts where it says that Antioch, at Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. You know why they were called Christians? Because they were like Jesus. They reminded people of Jesus. People, people today call themselves Christians when there's no fruit in their life, no evidence in their life. But it wouldn't be good if they called us Christians because we reminded them of Jesus. Following Jesus means conforming to the likeness. That's the goal. That's our goal. How does Jesus handle problems? How did Jesus deal with uh, opposition? How did Jesus go through situations. We're to be more and more like Jesus. That's the goal. And I've had people actually say this to me. You know, preacher, that's not realistic. That's God's plan for us. It's in the Bible. It's God's plan for us. Paul, Paul was burdened over the believers there when he wrote that letter to the churches in Galatia. And he says that he travailed until Christ be formed in them. The word formed there is the word morphu, like our word metamorphosis. It's, a tra it's something that's transformed. It goes from, it's, it's like when this larvae or this, this little thing in a cocoon becomes this beautiful butterfly. It's metamorphosis. And you know what Paul said to those believers there? I'm travailing and birth again until Christ be formed in you. I want to see Jesus in you. By the way, that's God's plan. And that ought to be our plan, right? If we're disciples. The disciple is being conformed to the image of Christ. That, that scripture in Romans chapter 8. 
For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And he goes on and talks about how we're how we're to be conformed in the image of his son. Now sometimes I look at my life and I think, man, you've got a long ways to go. That's just not exactly the way Jesus would be. But you know what? That's the process. That's what God wants to do in our life. That's what a, that's what a disciple is. A Christian is not just a person who comes and sits in a chair or sits in a pew or attends a Sunday school class and, 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 and never has a desire to follow Jesus and never wants to be what God wants them to be. God has something better for us than that. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Let me ask you something tonight. In your own estimation, you answer to your own conscience, to your own heart, and more importantly, answer to God. Am I a follower of Jesus? Do my, does my life reflect the fact that I'm following Jesus? In these four ways, am I putting him and his will first? Am I obeying Jesus? Am I imitating him? Am I walking in his steps? Am I saying, what would Jesus do? And finally, am I becoming more and more like Jesus? The disciples call to follow and obey. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? Please hear me tonight. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we could just all get on the same page and say, you know, I'm going to take my calling seriously as a disciple of Jesus Christ. By the grace of God, I'm going to Start putting him first, putting his will first. And I'm going to start asking myself, what would Jesus do? And I'm not going to give myself a pass on disobeying him. You say, preacher, do you really believe that people who claim to be saved just sort of give themselves a pass on things they know they ought to do? And I, I absolutely do believe that. But, but an indication of discipleship is obeying Jesus, doing what he wants us to do. We've been called to be disciples. And over the course of our lifetime, we ought to be, see this metamorphosis, this change that's taking place as we're becoming more and more and more like him. And I'm not saying any of us are going to walk up and just say, hey man, can't you really tell, can't you really tell I'm more like Jesus? No, if, none of, no, no serious-minded person would do that. But we ought to be cha being changed. And I'm of the persuasion that if a person could hear this tonight and, and honestly look at their life, and, and as they look at their life and they say, you know, it just seems like I've been at the same place for months and years, spiritually. I haven't really moved the needle. Then it ought to cause us to say, God has something better for me than that. Wouldn't you agree with that? God has something better for you. Than that. And it may mean you need to get saved. It could, it could really mean that. You need to get born again. But, but it all, if it's not that, then we need to start taking God's word seriously because God takes it seriously. The disciple is called to follow and obey Jesus Christ. Amen.